Welcome back to the Off of the Couch podcast. Maggie here. This is a really incredible story. Mary McManus had polio as a child, and she later developed post-polio syndrome. She was told at age 53 to prepare to spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair. She refused to accept her prognosis, and she worked with a personal trainer. Not only did she improve, but she ran the Boston Marathon. Yep, she did. Here's Mary telling her story. You've got quite a story. Do you want to um, just jump in with that? Um, sure, I can do that, Maggie. I just want to first of all say thank you so much for reaching out to me um, and for giving me this opportunity to share my story with your listeners. Uh, I know you talk about your your podcast is called Off of the Couch, and uh, that's exactly what I needed to do, uh, but didn't know it at the time. Um, so let me rewind for you and you know interrupt at any point with any questions you okay. have. Um, so I contracted paralytic polio in one of the last polio epidemics in the United States when I was five years old in 1959. And I was vaccinated. Uh, I was playing with uh, one of my best friends and her mom was not vaccinated. Uh, and uh, we contracted it on the same day. So I presume that the vaccination, uh, that it was a breakthrough case, as we're learning now with COVID. Um, but I was, believe it or not, I was considered one of the lucky ones because I didn't have to go to the hospital and I didn't need to be in an iron lung, but I was paralyzed from the neck wow. down initially. Um, wow. And then I, uh, after a few months, I went to a, uh, a physiatrist. And uh, he was amazing, Dr. Eugene Moskowitz, who I can still picture to this day, Maggie, and his physical therapist, Miss Holly. And nice. they helped to coax my muscles and nerves back to health. So I was in a, a leg brace. I was in a long metal leg brace and on crutches when I went back to school. And needless to say, there was no disability awareness and there was a lot of teasing and taunting. Also, at oh home, on the home front, uh, my mom was addicted to prescription pain medication. My dad became alcoholic. So what all of this has to do with getting off of the couch is that I dissociated from my body in order to endure the pain, both of recovering from paralytic polio and then the abuse that I endured oh. for nine years until my dad took his life at the age of, when I was 17 years old. So I go oh off to goodness. college, I become, I was high school valedictorian, I um, had an incredible career as a VA social worker, and uh, 15 years ago now, um, actually 16 years ago I was diagnosed, um, things started breaking down, and I realized I better pay attention to my body because it was screaming out at me uh, for healing. And what happened was the lymph from the polio returned. I had chronic pain. I had 
chronic fatigue. Um, no matter how much sleep I got, I was always tired. Uh, joint pain everywhere. Uh, actually, there were things that weren't related to the initial polio virus that because I learned to tolerate pain and ignore my body so much, there was actually a disc pressing on a nerve in my cervical spine that was causing um, nerve pain and tingles and all sorts of things. And actually, after I went for uh, an evaluation, one of the things that they discovered was that, wait, one of these things is completely treatable. So I had trigger injections that brought about tremendous relief. So, oh, yeah, so that was, that was encouraging. Um, so there I was, um, completely deconditioned Maggie. I mean, I, yeah. I had no strength. I had no um, flexibility, my mobility. They put me into a toe-up leg brace uh, using a cane. They also told me that I should prepare to spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair because uh, polio survivors, uh, and interestingly enough, it was a question on Jeopardy. It was the final, uh, the, the final uh, answer on Jeopardy, uh, post-polio syndrome, um, that many people uh, are dealing with. Uh, they're, like, right now, there are 300,000 people in the United States who are dealing with post-polio syndrome, delayed effects of paralytic polio. So oh, they wow. told me that given, I know, isn't that something? Um, over the age of 65. Um, And so uh, they told me that I needed to conserve my energy, that if I used it, I would lose it, which is, of course, counter to any any health uh, personal trainer advice. It's like you got to use it or you're going to lose it. Um, Right. But um, I felt something deep within me that while some of the things that they recommended, like, yes, I had to have a toe-up leg brace because I basically was dropping my left foot and that was causing a lot of energy to just go out of my body. And yeah, I needed a cane because I could barely make it up the stairs in my house. Um, But there was something deep within me, Maggie, that was counterintuitive to saying I shouldn't be moving I knew I needed to conserve my energy because as a type A, um, I was doing way too much. I have twins, um, and they were young adults at the time, and um, my, you know, caring for a household, and my husband worked full time, and so I was definitely burning out, and of course, working as a social worker at the VA, I didn't know how to take care of myself. I would just give and give and give to my veterans, to their family members, to my team members, and so I was, I was in serious, serious burnout. So I did need to learn how to take better care of myself, but this notion of not moving, this notion of not using my body just did not ring true for me. And fortunately, the doctor who did my cervical spine injections referred me to his, quote-unquote, physical therapist uh, who uh, specialized in, uh, in healing nerve pain and mind-body connection. And 
I was so blessed because she wasn't part of the post-polio clinic and she did not subscribe to the idea that I was destined to live the rest of my life in a wheelchair. And so we oh, worked together good. with, I know, right? I, boy, she yeah. is such an earth angel. Um, I stay in touch with her on Facebook. She actually left Balding Rehab, and she's got her own private practice uh, where she's helped, she focuses on women's health uh, and oh. is just a, a pioneer uh, in the way that she delivers physical therapy and, and helps women, which is counter to a lot of what is being talked about in terms of menopause, perimenopause, things like that. So she was my earth angel, and she said, no, I don't think you are destined to live your life in a wheelchair, and she worked with me three times a week. And I remember the first time I walked into the the gym at Spalding, and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is a gym. I've never been in a gym. And in gym class, speaking of gym, I was called Easy Out Helper. Yeah, you're kind of... Oh, no. Um, it was horrible. I mean, it was really, really horrible. But I, you know, I, I can smile now and say, wow, I'm really glad I had all those experiences because I'm certainly stronger. I'm more resilient. Um, and my story really inspires others. Um, so Allison and I worked together. I, um, one of the big things they said is that if you have any hope whatsoever of stalling the symptoms where they are right now. And they were pretty grim, Maggie. I mean, I had difficulty swallowing. Um, and so I, I had oh. to go to a speech and language therapist. Um, and I had difficulty breathing. And uh, it was, you know, really a, a very challenging time. But Allison was amazing. And she, um, while well, she had the ice collar on after a treatment on my neck, she sat with me and she taught me how to take deep breaths. And then she, um, in addition to my individual treatment, she brought me into her Pilates class so that I could begin to develop oh. core strength. And yeah, I, she's just amazing. And so uh, she also encouraged me. She used a biofeedback machine and she said, this is what your job is doing to you. And she used a biofeedback machine. And I saw the toll that the stress was taking just from the physical aspect of being on the phone, being on the computer, never mind the emotional stress. And we had ordered all sorts of adaptive equipment to try to ease some of the stress on my body and make things more ergonomically sound. And it came on my last day. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was delivered to my office <laughs> the very last day. Um, oh. So... I know. A long story short, I, the only real piece of advice that I took was that I knew I needed to leave my job. I, I couldn't continue working. So um, I, my family was very supportive. My husband said it was a no-brainer. And so um, I was hemming and hawing about when I should leave. And then I, on routine mammogram, uh, it was abnormal in April, and I said, oh, no, okay, universe, I hear you, I have to do something, and I knew about the power of the mind-body connection and about visualization from uh, having worked with Dr. Bernie Siegel before, so 
before I went back for my repeat mammogram, I visualized health, only healthy breast tissue. And sure enough, when I went back, they said, oh, it must have been a mistake. It must have been an artifact. I said, well, whatever it is, it's gone, right? And they said, yes. And so I came home and my daughter said, how much wow. notice do you have to give? And I said, six weeks, really. And I went in the next day after having a clean bill of health from that point of view, Maggie, and I said, I'm leaving. <laughs> and needless to say, they were all pretty shocked. And I explained, you know, what happened. And the other thing that had happened was in February of 2007, after being diagnosed in the end of 2006, I started writing poetry. And... I, I, I prayed, and when I got the diagnosis and when I realized I had to make a change in my life, I prayed, and I sat down one evening in February 2007, and I wrote a poem called Running the Race. And I talked about, like, it was the first time I'd ever really expressed my feelings about what had happened to me, and it came out in rhyme like Dr. Seuss because my physical therapist had read Dr. Seuss to me before every painful physical therapy session. And then she would, so we'd read together in the waiting room and then she'd take me into the waiting room and I would recite back to her in tandem, uh, the cat in the hat or, you know, that was my favorite. So Uh this poem had the cadence of Dr. Seuss. And um, it's on my website, and it's in a couple of, several of my books. And um, I wrote about, you know, it was late September or late June, my kindergarten year, everybody around me filled with nervous fear. Despite the sock vaccine, polio crept right up and knocked me in the rear. And then I'm writing these different stanzas, and all of a sudden the phrase, well, in my mind, I'm winning a 10K race. And I'm thinking, uh-huh, <laughs> why am I even thinking about running? And that just made me very curious. So in, starting in February, it was like a spigot turned on in my soul. And I just, this poetry started pouring out of me. And I also started having dreams about coming out of my leg brace and splashing in the rain and just being really free in my body um, while going through the, the um, intensive outpatient physical therapy. And once I gave notice and I really cut back at work, my body started to feel a little better and was healing that in combination with the intensive physical therapy, as I mentioned. So May 25th, um, 15 years ago, I left my award-winning VA social work career behind. I had a book, a manuscript. Um, I found a publisher, and I thought I would just be, like, have this great story. I'd be on Oprah one day, and I'd become a New York Times bestselling author, which is a really cool vision. However, sure. what happened was, come October, I met a personal trainer through a friend of a friend. Um, and she, was, she belonged to Business Networking International, and she suggested that um, our mutual friend said, well, you should talk to her about your business, which was original poetry for every occasion, New World Greeting Cards. And hers was uh, Boston Homebodies. 
in-home personal training. So Maggie, she's telling me all about how I can promote my business. I was not listening to that. I just was intrigued with what she did. And I said to her, do you think you can help me build on the outpatient um, regimen that I got from Spalding? I said, quite frankly, it's getting a little boring because, you know, a lot of repetition and it wasn't diverse. Um, And Uh so she said, well, I'll see. I don't know. But she used Henry Ford's quote of whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. So we started working together in October, and then in February, she did a reassessment. And Maggie, initially, I couldn't pass the initial assessment. I could not Uh do anything. Um, And I, I was that deconditioned that even, like, doing one rep of something, I couldn't do it. So she said, all right, uh, let's partner together. So every week we did strength training, we did cardio, and come February of 2008, she said, well, wow, you've made these remarkable gains. And I was able to pass the assessment. I felt better. Um, I was thinking about coming out of my leg brace. And so she asked me for my next goals. And I said, well, I, you know, I danced ballet before I was, Um, stricken with polio, I said, maybe I'll take a dance class. Or I said, basically, I just want to go for a walk outside. That would just be heavenly to me. And I said, without the leg brace and the, you know, the cane and the the polio tie shoes, as I call them, um, which was a throwback to when I used to have to wear um, these god-awful shoes. Um, that did the trick, but still, you know, they were ugly and a source of um, of teasing. Um, but I had to oh, go back. Oh, I can only imagine. Time. Yeah. 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 Um, so I was. I said, I want to get out of these shoes. <laughs> I said, I hate them. And I said, but I know they're important. So she starts writing down the goals, and I said, you know, I'd I'd like to be able to continue to diversify my workouts. And uh, so she's getting ready to leave my house. And I said, wait, I have one more goal, Janine. And she said, oh, what's that? And she put down her things and she looked at me quizzically. Literally, her hand was on the doorknob. I said, I want to run the Boston Marathon. I want to do it next year. Spalding Rehab has a race for rehab team. And I want to do it. Now, Maggie... You would think that anybody <laughs> in their right mind would say, uh, Mary, like you're, <laughs> yeah. you're in a leg brace, you have a cane. You're like, delusional. You yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I had never run a day in my life. I'd done a lot of visualizing about running. Um, I watched Forrest Gump, like I can't tell you how many times the vision <laughs> of coming out of the leg brace. Anyway, she said, oh, yeah. okay. Well, guess what, Mary? You're going to need a pair of running shoes. And she sent me to a local running store, and I met another earth angel, Spencer, who fit me for my first ever pair of running shoes, and he put in an orthotics to um, help the left foot. Yep. And off we went. And running for one minute took my heart rate over 170 
And then we oh, walked and it would come down. Yeah, it was pretty something, uh, pretty incredible. Um, and then one minute became 30 minutes. 30 minutes became wow. a 5K, and on and on it went. And on April 20th of 2009, it took seven hours and 49 minutes, but uh, my husband, daughter, and I crossed the finish line of the Boston Marathon. Wow. <laughs> That's huge. I, uh, I live in New Hampshire, and I... Um, you know, I just, I watch the marathon on TV and I've been down there when they've had the stuff set up and it's just such an emotional thing. You know, people come from all over the world and, and uh, that I just can't even express <laughs> how incredible that is. Uh, thank you, because I didn't have polio or anything. I don't have any excuse and I don't think I, you know, I... Don't think I have that. Uh, I'm thinking of doing maybe a half marathon. I'm I'm uh, on the fence about it actually. <laughs> so I can't believe you went from so you know and so uh, yeah um, leg Zero braces to, to crossing the finish line. That's amazing. That's just amazing. Yeah. What a story! Wow. Thank you. Thank you. And then um, in 2014. Um, my left knee blew out, and they, oh, they, I went back to the post-polio clinic just to find out, like, okay, <laughs> how bad did I do this? How badly did uh-huh. I do this? Well, what happened was it was after the bombings, and I right. was just um, – I, I was running a lot of races, and I was really challenging myself. And um, we weren't injured, but we were there. We were across the street. And so I think oh, one God. of the ways I was coping with that was to just run, 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 and push, push, push. So my left knee blew out, and the MRI showed that um, the cartilage was shredded. Uh, I mean, there was a list of things the length of your arm. And the post-polio doc, God bless him, said, you know, you really should never have started running. You're going to need a total knee. And I said, okay, well... For right now, I want to get back to running. Can you give me a prescription for physical therapy? (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't happy with me. I haven't seen him. Isn't that something? You ran, you ran the Boston Marathon, and he said you really should never have started running. You should have just gone into a wheelchair, like we told you. (laughs) Like we told you. What? Um, Isn't that awful? I know, but no, you know, they, they all But well-meaning, I'm they, sure. What's that? Well-meaning, I'm sure. Oh. I hope. You no, know, <laughs> absolutely, Maggie. Absolutely well-meaning because, you know, they, they don't want people to, to be in pain. Um, but, you know, one of the biggest things that I decided when I was working with my personal trainer, I said, if I'm going to be in pain, uh, there's going to be pain involved, whichever way I go. Yeah. And right. I decided I'm going to go on the, the side of, of health. And, you know, I, you know, yeah, I mean, I experience pain. We all do. If we don't experience pain, we're not alive. So we really can't avoid it. We can do what we can to, you know, try to avoid injuries yeah. like that. Right. Um, but what happened was, um, I found my way to chiropractic care, and I found this amazing earth angel chiropractor 
who was also a personal trainer, which is pretty amazing. Okay. And he gave me um, the the MRI showed that my gastroc muscle, my calf muscle, was atrophied from the polio. Uh, to uh-huh. which my beloved post-polio doctor said, you know, there's nothing we can do about that. <laughs> to which my chiropractor said, well, let's use some KT tape. Let's get you on a TheraBand stabilizer and let's have you grow a new gastroc, shall we? Um, oh, my and I did. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then I went on to run the Bermuda. It was on my bucket list to run in Bermuda their race weekend. And so in wow. 2016, 2017, and 2018, I ran the Bermuda Half Marathon. Um, oh, how fun. And now, wow. Yeah. Oh, it was a blast. It was a blast. And we got to know the race director. And he said, hey, you know, as long as you finish before my last marathon, or I don't care, you ha- care how long it takes you. Um, mm. And since then, I, I'm very happy with 5Ks, Maggie. Um, it really, <laughs> really, really took a toll. But you know what? I was okay. it for the world. I would not change it for the world. Yeah. Like, you know, um, why? (laughs) Why would I? I mean, it was just such an incredible achievement. And also, you know, the thing is, our bodies have an incredible capacity to heal. I did have to, you know, take some time off from running um, before, like after the knee injury, um, but, you know, we worked in, in chiropractic care together, and we really worked on strengthening, which was something that I, I needed to revisit. And so nowadays I do strength training twice a week um, using mm-hmm. his regimen and then building from there. And then three times a week um, I was doing 5Ks three times a week, and then I realized, uh-huh. you know, I really need to do like about – two and a half during the week and then do my 5K on the weekend um, okay. and do a lot of walking and everything. Um, but yeah. considering 15 years ago, I was told I'd spend the rest of my life in a wheelchair, have accelerated decline as I age, that I might need a feeding tube because the muscles on the left side of my esophagus were sluggish. Oh, my gosh. Um, and I wow. was at risk for uh, aspiration pneumonia where the food goes into the lungs instead of the stomach uh it was yeah you know i'm like oh my god this is incredible um and i'm supporting right. my husband and daughter who are still running and i i love to you know be a part of the running community and uh as we like to say it fires up the mirror neurons so when i watch runners i'm actually feeling that energy in my own body oh, um, that, so yeah. yeah so that's that's where I was, and that's where I am today. And just so your listeners know, our listeners know that um, I'll be 69 in December. That's fantastic. Yeah. So you're you're doing strength training twice a week, and then a, you know a decent amount of cardio three times a week, which is exactly what probably everybody should be doing if they don't have a goal like the Boston Marathon. And and you know most people <laughs> probably are. But most people are probably not doing that, and that's, you know, kind of who we're hoping to reach by um, to inspire them to, you know, at least um, do a regular workout like that to keep your body strong and healthy. And, um, you know, your story is just incredible to go from um, so injured to 
um, having yeah crossing up the finish line on a marathon that's amazing thank you Maggie it is and you know the the hardest part was getting off of the couch it really was and my <laughs> daughter um, it was a self-proclaimed couch potato and when she heard I was going to run Boston she said oh that sounds like fun I want to join in and uh, my husband was a runner before we had twins, and he said, well, you girls are not doing this by yourself. And so Janine trained all three of us, um, and we became oh, Team McManus, and we raised over 10000 for Spalding. But, you know, my daughter, wow. it, I, you don't need a big goal like that, people. You don't. I mean, that's a little extreme, I know. But you know what? If there's something that, that you've always dreamed of doing, um, like maybe you've seen a race, or or maybe maybe it's not even so much running. Maybe it's skiing. Maybe it's ice skating, roller skating. Maybe it's whatever. Um, even swimming, just something that you know. If you if you've seen a sport, or if when you were little you enjoyed a sport, um, then get off the couch and go for it. And you know, I think. We often get in our heads, Maggie, that if we can't run an eight-minute mile or if we can't hit a home run every time we're at bat, we're not going to participate. And that's just, in my humble opinion, no way to live. I think that, you know, our bodies are meant to be used. We're meant to be in community. Um, And I think that to really embrace what your strengths are and what you can bring um, and anything that can get you from that sense of, well, I'm not good enough. It's too late. I hear that a lot. People say, well, it's too late. I said, yeah. I started when I was 53. It's never too late. <laughs> um, and you know, well, That's I have great. this, I have that. And it's like, you know, what's interesting people when you have this or that, like, um, one of um, my friend's mother had Parkinson's and she introduced me to some of her friends in Parkinson's who are running and doing incredible things, um, which is really helping them manage their symptoms of Parkinson's disease. So, you know, first of all, you're not your diagnosis, but second of all, don't let a diagnosis deter you from living your fullest potential. Um, MS is another example. I think the MS community is getting better at advising people to get moving. Um, okay. And hey, if, if you have a flare and you need to take some time off, but you know, don't stop. That's the biggest thing is don't stop, don't settle, don't absorb what people tell you about your body because I feel our bodies have such a tremendous capacity to heal. I know it. I mean, I, I grew a new gastroc muscle. I dissolved a breast tumor. Wow. I um, um, healed torn cartilage. I didn't have a total knee um, replacement. And wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I know that I'm in many ways the exception, but I don't think I have to be the exception, Maggie. I think that you know, mm-hmm. when we harness the power of our mind, visualization, and there are so many books out now. Um, and I, I have resources on my website, and I've been so blessed. Like, you reached out to me, and people have reached out to me. And so 
we've been able to spread the word that, you know, you really, you really can enjoy life with your body, whatever shape it's in right now at this moment in time, um, and go from there. Wow. Well said. Well said. So do you think that the expectations of the doctor affect people um, maybe too much? Um, You were able to sort of ignore it and turn it around, but do you think if you had just taken, if you had just believed them that you would be in a completely different place right now? Maggie, that is an excellent question. Absolutely yes. And um, there's one of the books that I read after my knee blew out was called You Are the Placebo by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And in it, he talks about how the doctor's expectations affect clinical outcomes. And there have been more and more studies done about this. And there's, um, there's a great movie documentary called Heal Documentary, and one of the um, one of the people who speaks talks about what's called the nocebo effect, which is exactly what you're saying, that when a doctor tells you something um, and it's negative, you're going to believe it. You can believe it. And your body absorbs those messages. We're taught, you know, the doctor knows best, white coat syndrome. Yeah. Uh, and I think more and more people are are more aware that that doesn't need to be the case. But absolutely, there have been reports of when a doctor says you're going to die in six months. And sure enough, the person dies in six months. And there's actually one case of somebody who was told they had extensive metastatic disease. And when they did the autopsy, it was a mistake. And the person... Yeah, the person so believed uh, that that was the case. And I, I, I believe it's, you know, my connection to God, divine source, however people like to, to think about a divine intelligence that's greater than me. I, I felt that connection very early on when I had contracted polio. And that's what came forth uh, that enabled mm-hmm. me to counter that. And, and there was just something deep in my soul that said, no, this isn't how I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life. And I didn't know at the time what it was or what my purpose was going to be. And all I'd known was social work for 25 years. But, yeah, Maggie, it's very powerful when a doctor gives a message. And they, they need to be really, really careful about the language they use, the message that they bring. Um, and, uh, you know, you just have to really harness a lot of strength to say, well, wait a minute, you know, is this, Mm -hmm. is this my path? And, you know, yeah, but it's very, very powerful. And if I would have listened, I, I might not even be here right now. I mean, based on the prediction of the rapid decline. Um, by the way, there's a really, really great book. Um, well, there are many great books, but one that I'm reading now, it's called Counterclockwise. And it's okay, I haven't heard of that. You hadn't or you had? No, I haven't. What is it about? Okay. 
Well, it's this um, woman psychologist did a study where she brought a group of men. She kept it to men only because it made the study easiest. But this, she uh-huh. actually did this back in the 70s. And they went on a retreat. And they did everything as though they were back 20 years younger. So everything was set up back to 1959. And they actually, they, it was a, an incredible study where they used biological markers, they used uh, different measurements. So it wasn't just, oh yeah, they're younger. They used very strict protocols. And Maggie, what happened was they actually reversed the aging process. Oh, interesting. Wow. Because in their minds, they were living as if they were 20 years younger. Yeah. Huh. That sounds pretty fascinating. (laughs) I have a question for you about... um, about trauma, like, um, you, you know, you talk about a pretty rough um, childhood and, and uh, a lot of factors there that you really had to sort of stuff down and they say trauma is stored in the body. Do you think that yeah. the running is kind of how you work that out or, yes. or are you still absolutely. handling that? Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it was such a powerful transformational experience on so many levels, but especially with the trauma, not only from the taunting and the teasing um, from my peers, but also to really ring out um, from myself um, all the abuse that I went from uh, having embodied being brutalized and living in fear to rising up and feeling my own power and feeling the strength in my body? That's a wonderful question. Yes, the running, oh, my goodness. I I just feel so blessed. And, you know, even today, well, COVID stirred up a lot. I think it did for everybody. Um, sure. But for me, the second pandemic and being in lockdown and all sorts of things, a lot of triggers. But one of the constants for me during that time was our running. And uh, it's just such a wonderful way to heal the body and to feel empowered and to feel strong. And a, a lot of times, um, you know, when I'd be out there, especially on long runs, it would it would be this feeling deep in my soul of look at how strong I am. Look at what I can do. I can run for 20 miles. Wow. Um, wow. And, yeah, so, um, and the trauma being stored in the body was also a big factor in, in the way that the post-polio manifested itself because there was just so much gunk that was that was stuck in the very you know fiber of my being and then once you get moving um it really can clear out a lot of that that energy no that's so interesting well you're incredibly inspiring okay mary um can you tell us where people can find you 
Yes, I'd be happy to. So my website is marymcmanus.com. That's M-A-R-Y-M-C-M-A-N-U-S.com. You can also find me on Facebook. I have an author page. It's Mary McManus uh, dash author. Uh, On Twitter, my handle is at runnergirl1953. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel. Uh, I believe it's Mary Sunshine, Uh, Mary Sunshine 100. Um, And uh, if anybody wants to reach out, if you have any questions, um, you can always feel free to contact me on social media. Or my email address is Mary. A McManus at gmail.com and I welcome conversations, questions, um, feedback, and so I'd be happy to engage with, with any of our listeners hearing this. Oh, wonderful. many takeaways from this. The body can get stronger. If you think your goals are unrealistic, maybe they aren't. She's really an amazing inspiration. You can also check out her author page on Amazon. She has some great books. Hope is a Garden, Going the Distance, A Power of Endurance, Coming Home, A Memoir of Hope, Healing, and Possibility. And you can find her on LinkedIn, and she is a speaker as well. Thank you so much for listening to the Off of the Couch podcast. Take a small step, and I'll see you next week.